everyone, and welcome back to the N-Express Nintendo Podcast, the official Nintendo podcast of Goombastomp.com. I'm your host, Cameron Dax, and joining us, we have games editor Mark Kalaroff. Switch Pro is a no. Oh, excellent rhyming. And, of course, we have indie games editor Campbell Gill on the line as well. I am going to be waiting for the Switch Pro until the end of time. <laughs> it may not be the Switch Pro, but it is the Switch Pro-led... Uh, that's all I got. Um, <laughs> yeah, so the long-rumored, long-awaited, long-anticipated Switch Pro had a surprise announcement on Twitter last week from Nintendo. It's, it's actually not a Switch Pro. It is, in fact, the Switch, Nintendo Switch OLED, what is it called? Nintendo Switch OLED model. Yes. OLED edition, what's it called? Model, I think. Model. It just rolls off the tongue. It just rolls right off the tongue. You got it. Got to give. Got to give it up for Nintendo for the uh, excellent naming conventions. So we should talk a little bit about what it actually is. So the Nintendo Switch OLED is a slightly larger screen Nintendo Switch. It has a wider kickstand instead of the little baby, uh, you know, half an inch thick kickstand of the original Nintendo Switch. Same Joy Cons. As far as I can understand, the same guts, the same microchips and all that stuff. So this is not a Switch that will output at a higher resolution. This is not a Switch with a, a massive battery life. They included a little more internal storage, 64 gigs, as opposed to the, what, it was like 8 gigs or something beforehand. So a little bit of a difference there. Other than that, largely the same piece of hardware. What is there? Is it an Ethernet port now, something like that? Yeah, Ethernet port in the dock. And then Ethernet they upgraded the yeah. storage from 32 to 64 gigabytes. 32 to 64, that's what it was. I thought it was 8 gigs for some reason, but 32 to 64 gigs of internal storage. Okay, so a little bit more uh, a little bit more internal storage there. Guys, what are, what are our thoughts on Nintendo Switch OLED? I want to see the screen in action. <laughs> I desperately want to see the I screen mean, in action. I think that's the only thing about it that's really new. There's really, I mean, the kickstand, if you ever use like a Microsoft Surface or any of those types of tablets, that kickstand's mm. fantastic. That thing works. It's great. Yeah. It's, it'll be way better than what we currently have. It's but true. outside it's of that in the screen, there's nothing else about this that's inherently like, you know, you're writing home for. There, there's no, nothing not else about all. it. I mean, the yeah. Ethernet cable attachment, the storage enhancements, like you can already get this stuff for under 50 bucks, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The the first thing I did when I bought a Switch is got a 128 gig little uh, little mm-hmm. SD card. Same. Yep. Uh, instantly. Like, and and when when I I got my wife a Switch Lite and I got her a 256 gig one. Uh, it's just because like they're they're like twenty dollars. They're so cheap. For them to be like, ah, oh, we've included, we've expanded the internal storage. I'm like, okay, like great, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it's a nice bonus, but you know, it's nothing significant. I it's mean, just nice put bonus. a 256 gig card inside your oh, system and you're set for life. To me, it feels like anybody who has a switch or anybody who who wants to get a switch would already buy the upgraded storage anyway. So yeah. it's like, why even bother? But I, that's just my opinion. I don't know. And if you uh, don't Campbell, have it then you're stupid for not having it. If you don't have you know? it, then you're stupid. That is the official Goomba Stomp stance on I not mean, having I will, I will say this storage. on record. I have, I think, almost 80 games on my Switch from both review and personal playing and all that sure. jazz. And I still have not run out on the, the storage card. Like, oh, I've wow. used the internal Switch storage, but I think I still have like 150 gigabytes left or so. Wow, I've had to delete and uh, and re-download games a couple times because Breath of the Wild's a pretty big file. Mario Odyssey is a pretty big file. For, for a oh, time, yeah, I yeah. had for a time I had Mario Odyssey, Breath of the Wild, Splatoon 2, Mario Maker, 
Like, I had, I don't know, maybe maybe five big games on there. And they're, they're, they're you know, 20, 20 gigs or so each. So that added up pretty pretty fast for me. Um, oh, I was so about to say the, that they're yeah. all, like, compressed down. So they're, like, usually they? less than 10. Oh, I could be. Listen, I could be talking out of my talking out of my butt here. Um, I think all Zelda's I know is like I, almost twenty. Yeah, I've had I do the, the uh, what do they call it the uh, the archive storage thing. Yeah, where it's like they're just they're in your library, but they're not downloaded to the system. Um, mm-hmm. Campbell, what do you think about this this surprise Nintendo hardware announcement? This is just absolutely fantastic because of how purely Nintendo the whole thing is. Because for so long we've had such rabid fan demand for. An improved, upgraded Switch that has 4K graphics and supports 60 frames per second on every game. All this kind of wild fantasy stuff that was never going to happen. But it was still this kind of expectation, especially given other can- uh, console manufacturers that have put out upgraded units in the past years. You know, it would make sense for Nintendo to try and boost the Switch a little bit at this point in its life cycle. And of course it was never going to do as much as people wanted it to. But I think this is lower than anybody was even reasonably expecting. This is about <laughs> the bare minimum of an upgrade that you could get. And while the bigger screen and the marginally increased storage capacity is nice, it's just so marginal that it's... Honestly, I don't think it provides much of a reason for anybody who currently has a Switch to invest in the new model. But for somebody who's maybe just going to buy a Switch now, or if you lost a Switch, you know, this could be... A really nice way to improve your your playing ability or your experience with the Switch. So it's not the most exciting thing in the world. It's far from what the expectations were, but it was never going to be that anyway. I'll throw this out there. You could buy the Ethernet port for like five bucks, and then you could buy literally for like $15 that internal storage for like 256 gigabytes. Yeah. So, you know, that's already half uh... the upgrade. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. this really it, is a hard thing to sell through just a trailer you post on Twitter. You know, because of the quality of the screen, it seems like something you have to hold in your hands to actually appreciate fully both the colors and the quality of the screen, well, the size. And not only not only that, Campbell, it's the kind of thing where you would have to literally put it side by side with another Switch, mm-hmm. I think. Like, I would want to see the, the crisper screen next to a, like a, an original model Switch or a Switch Lite to kind of get it uh you know to to get a sense of comparison mm-hmm. uh, that being said uh mark and i were talking about this i i mostly play my switch in handheld mode to be honest um unless i'm playing like breath of the wild or something like that i most of the time i'm i'm playing my switch on the couch lying down in bed propped up with some pillows whatever so to me i would i, I don't know i'm i'm intrigued by this by this OLED version of the console. Mm-hmm. Now, here's mm-hmm. the thing that I think is really fascinating about this sp- uh, particular model being added to the Switch family, because when the Switch Lite was announced as you know the handheld-only model, it made sense. But like, oh, okay, they're catering to the handheld side of the Switch. Now the next model will obviously cater towards the TV side of it, the docked mode. It will you know have a beefier, do- a beefier dock that could right. increase the resolution, something like that. This isn't it. It's also focusing on the portable side because that bigger screen doesn't benefit you when your Switch is sitting in the dock. So it's so interesting that they're just doubling down so much on the portable side of things here. And I don't mind because I also play 99% of the time in handheld mode. That's where the Switch is at its best, in my view. But it's just interesting that they're still focusing on that. And it 
on the one hand, it technically does leave the door open for a dock that increases resolution or yet another addition to the Switch family that, um, that boosts the resolution or something of that sort. But it's interesting to see them doubling down on this so much. I agree. Well, I I saw something because obviously, you know, the internet went crazy when when this was announced. Uh, I, I would say in both positive and negative ways. You got a lot of people who were like, "Oh my gosh, how exciting! A, a new version of Switch. Like, I love the colors. I love the big whatever." You had a lot of people who were like, "Wow, we we spent a year, two years, three years hyping up the potential of a Switch Pro, and all we got was a slightly bigger screen and a kickstand. Like, I'm so glad." But there were six versions of the 3DS over the years, which I right. thought, right, isn't that hilarious? So for them to, to make several versions of the Nintendo Switch is not without precedent. You know what I mean? I think, I don't know, everybody's talking about how, well, we got this, therefore the other thing doesn't exist. It wouldn't shock me if out of the blue in six months, right around the holiday times or you know in another year right around e3 times they actually they, they drop you know the the beefier docked version of the nintendo switch i don't know do you think that's a that's an insane thing to say at this point absolutely yes. not no no it's not but mark <laughs> listen to this though mark. it's insanity no it's Campbell, not. it's insanity okay, yes mark, it is but hear me we're out, not though. gonna we're not gonna see some pro model switch it's i'm not ridiculous. saying a pro a model but what i am going to say is I think we are almost 100% guaranteed to see another Switch model in exactly two years, and here's why. So, for the, if you've listened to what Nintendo executives have said time and again, they say that the Switch is going to have a really long life cycle, longer than the average console. They see it as 10 years plus. So, at this point... They I said want... the same, though, about the 3DS, and that well, thing's dead in the water. It's well, drowning yes. right now. It's, it's hit the bottom of the ocean floor. But hear me out. So I'm not finished with my thought, Mark. Just hold on to your <laughs> pessimism, all right? So we had the Switch Lite was announced in 2019, okay? Two years after the Switch was announced or released. The Switch OLED model was, was, um, it was announced this year, two years after the Switch Lite. 2023, we're due for another Switch model. I'm not saying it's going to be the equivalent of a PS4 Pro for the Switch, but I think at this point the only way for them to keep improving and to keep iterating on this model is to do something that focuses more on the dock side of things. Or I rest my or case. Or Campbell, Campbell, we're due for a new console. Nah, I I don't think so. I think Nintendo's going to it's beat always, this into the ground. The longest gap was the Wii U, and that was 5.9 years. I saw a chart on this on Twitter today, actually. And 5.9 years, and you're saying in two years we'll get a new Switch. That's called a new console. Because the Switch will be, that means the Switch is going to be six to seven years old. I don't know. I, I highly doubt at this point that Nintendo has, on the one hand, they have such a success, a raging success with the Switch. And unlike their previous consoles, it's not like they have a home console and a handheld to fall back on. The Switch is what they have right now. So it's going to take, I don't know what they're going to do. Yeah, for but a you could platform, say the same but... thing about the, the DS and the Wii, because those mm -hmm. lasted about five to seven years, and then they were gone. Right. Well, we'll see. And those well, the DS got the DSi XL and, you know, all that jazz, and it added the whole um, online eShop, which was total, like, BS, because it only added, <laughs> like, a few games and applications, so it really doesn't count. I but there's no, like, there's no Nintendo console that has been upgraded besides the the new 3ds was different 
because that was to improve the head tracking. It did have some different hardware that improved like the frame rates for certain games. It had the circle pad, but once again, like the circle pad attachment already existed for the 3DS. It was something you could already get. And now it was just those minor upgrades. And we're seeing the same thing again with the Switch. It's something that every Switch user, you're really not being cheated on. There's nothing here, unless if you're playing in handheld mode all the time and you want that better screen, I guess you can make a case that you're being cheated on, but it, there's really like, it's the same system, you know? It's not going to run any differently. You're not getting any major improvements. It's a different well, screen, I don't, and that's it. I don't, think, I don't think anybody's arguing that. I mean, I have right, seen like, some people on Twitter arguing that, but you'll find people on Twitter yeah, arguing Twitter. anything. So whether <laughs> that's, that's indicative of a wait, are there problems. are there actually there there's actually people on Twitter being like, no, it's different. Is that is that real? Oh yeah, yeah. well there's oh, obviously yeah, the super hardcore yeah. Nintendo fanboys who are gonna be like, that's amazing. Nintendo's putting out this fantastic new platform or whatever. But most people are kind of like the discussion we're having right now. Right. Well, it's just. I mean, it's. It, factually it's what mark just said it's like yeah it's the same system it's a slightly better screen <laughs> it literally yeah. is the same system it's just yeah, a it's different the same, screen it's, it's yeah. the same system which is nice uh, the improved screen looks great but it's sure the same system like i said an- i literally my switch right now i have the ethernet cable attachment that i got for five bucks hooked up to it there you go mm-hmm. there's my ethernet for the dock for five dollars i got a memory card for 15 bucks that booted it up to 256 gigabytes of storage that's mm-hmm. more than triple the storage you know it's like these things that people want that are complaining about, like you already have access to it. Even like the back, the um, the tabletop mode, that stand, they sell Switch stands for like $5 that are like cases that go around your Switch that do the same job. They already oh, exist. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's all kinds of slip covers and like controller attachments and uh, grips and stuff you can put on your Switch to make it a more comfortable um, handheld experience. Or, or I know, do like that white dock yeah. though. That white dock is very nice. The color scheme. Like this thing that. is gorgeous. I mean, I, I love I, that every major console now is in white at this point. It's fantastic. Uh, yes. I, don't know, I don't know. Something happened. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. Yeah, it was all, all black before, and now it's all white. Um, Mark pointed out that, like, wow, that would look very good next to the PS5. Next to the PS5, <laughs> yes. And the Xbox um, One S. Yeah. Um, so we should, we should back up a little bit. So... It's releasing the same day as Metroid Dread, which is interesting. Which it has Samus's colors. The suit which it has Samus. It has the the Dread suit colors, which is actually very cool. I mean, it should I, have been the Nintendo Switch Emmy edition, but. It will chase you down in your house whenever you're not playing. Yeah, yeah, it'll do like that, like it'll do like that that uh, robot thing and, and contort itself to follow you around your apartment. Um, mm-hmm. that, that would be terrifying. That's um, Nintendo if they ever think you're playing like ROMs or something. <laughs> it like it has a sensor to determine if if anybody's playing you know they're playing the the snes version of dragon quest or something they're like oh god I wait, gotta that's, run. that's japanese only wait a second like <laughs> you're coming for me showing at the doorstep any minute nintendo yeah, ninjas somebody's, somebody's playing mother three on a laptop at like <laughs> <laughs> Comes alive. Re- Reggie's in the control room, going like, "Get him!" Like, <laughs> just the switch's I- IR sensor it turns into like a red dot sight. Y- oh my god! Oh yeah. man! Yeah, perfect. It turns into Hal. HD um, Rumble used as a torture device. I mean, this is this is dark, guys. I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Anyway, uh, what I was saying was. <laughs> uh, what I was saying is, uh, so it releases the same day as Metroid Dread. Which is great, good for them. Very smart, very, very, very smart. smart. And apparently, they they've done this with other 
updates of their of their console as well. Did did the uh, the Majora's Mask skin for the 3DS come out the same day as Majora's, Majora's Mask? And I believe Xenoblade Chronicles 3DS came out like a week or two later. Right, like that makes sense, right? Um, so I think that's that's kind of cool. I, I'm I'm. I don't know. I, I the color scheme is very cool. I, I love that. It, there's also just if you do want to get it, you can get the original, um, you know, blue mm-hmm. and red as well. But it does bring up another point. So all of us, I'm pretty sure all of us have had issues with Joy-Con drift. So <laughs> so These apparently are the same Joy-Cons. It's the same old Joy-Cons. Hopefully, hopefully we can only we can only cross our fingers here. Similar to to how they replace the original Switch models with a with a slightly better battery life Switch models, you know, about a year or two in. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Maybe it's a new maybe it's a new batch of Joy Cons this time around. What do you guys think about? No, that? it's my turn to be the pessimistic one. They're not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're just straight up not. The whole Switch yeah. Joy Con crisis happened like a few years ago when everybody was talking about, it and then they had to do that free repair program. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was years after, ago, after and they still haven't changed the quality. <laughs> After we all got over the bended switches. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So Nintendo is not one to dramatically rethink their hardware just because thousands of their customers are suffering from broken products. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it is truly shocking that they had an entire program that's like, hey, this we we messed this up so bad that if you send your Joy-Cons to us, we will fix them for free and send them back. Like that's crazy. Um, and I've taken advantage of that, and it was great. So I'll never I still haven't. I gotta do it. I would do it, man. I would just, I would just, if if you're starting to feel that drift, I would just get it taken care of. Like, because who knows when they'll when they'll stop doing it? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It wouldn't shock me if, with the release of the Switch Pro, <laughs> they, somehow or other, this this program mysteriously disappears from the website. You know what I mean? Of course. Mm, yeah. Now that's more know. realistic thinking there. Yeah. So. I don't know. It's like we've all kind of talked crap about this thing. That said, I'm very interested in one. And if I'm able to, you know, if I'm able to sell my original Switch or or give it to like a family member or something, like I Mm -hmm. absolutely will and upgrade to this new one. So I don't know. I wouldn't (laughs) say we talked crap about it, you know? Well, I guess we just we talked very realistically about it. We did. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing to really like. You know, there's nothing bad about it. Like, it's a nice enhancement for the True. extra 50 bucks for people who are still interested in buying a Switch. But, you know, there's nothing bad about it. It's just there. It's just there. No, that's <laughs> true. That's true. I, I guess, uh, I don't know. I, I guess it's safe to say that I'm personally, you know, of course, it, they, they dropped a surprise, a, Switch annou- a surprise new hardware Switch announcement. That's very cool. But the other part of me is like, well, why wasn't it better? You know, and it's like, well, they don't owe us anything. Like, as Campbell said earlier, mm-hmm. Nintendo, Nintendo, gonna Nintendo. Like, they're gonna, <laughs> they're very much, they're gonna do their own thing. And uh, I think the most interesting part of this whole, this whole story is that Nintendo uh, never said anything about a Switch exactly, Pro. <laughs> exactly. Mark, Nintendo never was like it was all Bloomberg. Oh, you know what I mean? It it truly got spun up out of apparently nowhere. Like, who knows? So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is interesting. The it's thing- like I want to I, I want to read the follow up story in like three or four months. It's like okay, how did how did <laughs> how did they get it so incorrect? You know, mm-hmm. the thing to consider about this new switch is that it's all in the name. 
it's not they're not calling it the new nintendo switch the switch pro nothing like that they're not even trying to position this as a major improvement on the base switch instead it's just another option if you want a bigger screen you can buy this switch with a bigger screen it offers fundamentally the exact same experience but if you spend 50 dollars on it you're going to get these few enhancements it's like a premium model nowhere near any sort of big improvement like a ps4 pro to the ps4 or anything of that sort Mm -hmm. so that's you know we were talking we were complaining about the name earlier like it's a silly name but it's also clever because it makes immediately clear that this isn't anything huge it's just a switch with a no led screen if anything, it's uh, it's an unconventionally straightforward n- uh, naming convention for Nintendo. Yeah, true. And like, if you look at the box, you know, which I think is just honestly, I find the box unsettling because I'm not used to seeing a <laughs> vertical rectangular box for a console. Like, it's just strange. But That's if you funny. look at the box, it just says Nintendo Switch at the top. That's it. And then at the bottom, like almost in parentheses, it says OLED model. Yep, this is still at the end of the day a Nintendo Switch, just like any other. Yeah, yeah, I think as it should be. As it should be. <laughs> oh, Mark, you. No, you really, are... they, they they shouldn't like divide the fan base. You know, we're almost True. at. You know, it might be ninety million this month. We don't even know yet. And wow, if they're at incredible. ninety million switches, you're gonna like divide it for another twenty million? Is that really? There's no common sense. You know, there's no logic in the whole situation. Why would they do that? It's stupid for there to be a Switch Pro by now. If there was, it should have. They should have done it at like twenty, thirty million in. Yeah, that's a great point. That's a great point. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. I guess that's that's the the general the general take on the Nintendo Switch OLED model. Uh, there's a, a great a great article on the site uh, written by our own Tony Haynes, who. It kind of uh, it kind of rounds up all of the all the jokes about the about the OLED model, so everybody should should check that out. She's not on the site. Uh, she's not on the web uh, on the podcast, obviously, right now with us. But uh, she wrote a great little great little article about the the uh, OLED announcement. So make sure make sure you check that out. So I think that's about all we have to say about this Nintendo hardware announcement, unless we want to kind of I don't know call out anything else. That John Cartwright tweet is hilarious with him shoving the uh, the original Vita inside the Switch with the Ethernet oh, cable yes. dangling out. Okay, listen, we gotta we gotta talk about that. Okay, so obviously I love the Vita. It's a great little system. So comparisons to the PS Vita were inevitable, perhaps, with the announcement of a Switch OLED. I I as much as I love and will defend the Vita guys it's not a switch a switch OLED it will obviously do things so much better than a PlayStation Vita could ever do um I just I think it's it's really funny how how that the Vita kind of trended a little bit because of this announcement I think that's very funny just about uh you know about 8 years too late I think the only thing the Vita has going for itself right now Uncharted and Metal Gear Solid Three, which means Konami, you need to intervene and cut off half of that. And put metal, put what? Put Metal Gear Solid Three on Switch? Is that what we're saying? Yeah, just put the whole collection on. The put HD it on one. there. Put yeah, it on there, guys. On How there. hard could it be? Well, it would we be easy for it. anybody except Konami. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we'd be lucky to get Konami Pachinko on. I mean, not just Konami Pachinko, but uh, Metal Gear Pachinko on Switch. So that's right. Konami, prove us wrong. Put Metal Gear, put a Metal Gear collection on Switch. We all want it. 
I, uh, I do want. I want. To, I want to get into that series, but it's never gonna put happen. It, so. Put it on the OLED version only. There you go. That works <laughs> because it could only work with the crispness and the size of that screen, and only with the white Joy Cons. What if they add like a fourth wall ref, like breaking section in there where they talk about the white Joy Cons, like that would be like yeah yeah uh uh who's the psychomantis Psycho, Psycho yeah. is like oh i see you're playing with the white joy cons on your <laughs> Nintendo <Switch laughs> <OLED> model. <laughs> wouldn't that be perfect i mean imagine that scene with hd rumble though like hey man I, oh, i'm Campbell, picturing it right Campbell, now stop dreaming, stop dreaming. <laughs> yeah 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 squat yeah bring, bring the pessimism. it's not gonna happen it's not bring the happen. pessimism back mark we gotta squash this before it gets too far this too whole far episode ahead. is just an endless duel between pessimism and optimism here like i mean as as is every episode of an express podcast very true, so very true <laughs> we're gonna take a quick break here we're gonna come back and talk about something that's uh actually i think would very, be very positive as Campbell tells us a little bit about the DLC for Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity. So stay tuned, and we'll be right back. been playing an update to one of his favorite games of last year, Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity. The announcement for the DLC for this game, was this announced during E3 or was it announced earlier? I forget. Okay, so the DLC itself was announced at the Nintendo Direct in February this year, right, but it was actually right. shown off at E3, because all we had for the initial announcement was just like, hey, we're making DLC, and that's it. So we actually got the real reveal only a few weeks ago. That's right, that's right. Well, and so Campbell has been, luckily and fortunately, able to play with that actual uh, update. So why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Uh, maybe give us a quick, like, a quick kind of baseline of, you know, Age of Calamity and then kind of what this update uh, adds or changes. So I said this when we were reacting to the reveal of the DLC for E3 post-show. And I'll say it again now because it accurately encapsulates everything I have to say about this DLC update playable guardian and that's really all you need to know about what this adds it adds other stuff but nothing really matches the euphoria Incredible. of controlling a guardian blasting thousands of bacoplins at once or just literally you can flurry rush enemies as a guardian and that is just a beautiful sight to behold so what you have with age of calamity as a base game is it's essentially just Imagine Hyrule Warriors, the game that came out first for Wii U, then later had a definitive edition for Switch. Imagine that, but with a Breath of the Wild skin. And then alongside that, it tells a prequel story about what happened 100 years ago before uh, the Calamity struck. And then it also delves into this really weird time-splitting thing to where it takes place in an alternate timeline. It's kind of complicated to explain, but it makes sense when you play the game. I'll, you can essentially play as every single character from Age of Calamity. And it's really wonderful. It's an amazing experience for if you're a fan of the game and if you enjoy this kind of warrior-style 1 versus 1,000 gameplay. And so what you have with 
this first part of the DLC pack, which is called Pulse of the Ancients, it essentially adds, I would say, five major things, being the playable Guardian, um, two new weapons being the Guardian Flail and the Master Cycle, which is also amazing to control. It adds new missions, which are essentially, they, they take the same format as any other warrior style level where it's just defeat this many enemies, escort this character to this point on the map, complete this specific objective, and then it adds new essentially boss battles. They're called vicious monsters which take the original enemies that are in the game and buff them up, give them new moves, make them more difficult basically. And you have those five main things, and there are a few other additions to it as well. It does give you a lot to play around with, but those are the main attractions that you get with the DLC. And in true Warriors fashion, if you want to see every new thing that's been added with this first part of the pack, you're going to have to do a lot of grinding. You're going to take down thousands and thousands of enemies and find out all these different items to meet these objectives, to unlock things, but there is so much satisfaction with the grind, especially when you do eventually, like at the end, end of it, unlock the Guardian, unlock the Master Cycle, and just go to town with this euphoric violence against all these, these Zelda enemies. So really, if you enjoy the base game of Hyrule Warriors at all, there is so much to love this time around with this first part of the DLC, and it provides a very welcome chance to go back into the world and just get back into that tearing off your brain hack and slash action. So I have a, a question about the logistics of this DLC. So is it available right off the gate, or is it like you have to beat the game, the, the base game first before it becomes available? Or how, how does getting into the DLC work? Or is it just simply add in additional content to the base game? So I don't know whether it's unlocked before you beat the campaign or not, because I've already finished the campaign by the time I got the DLC. But the way it works is that in Hyrule Warriors, you have basically just the map of Hyrule, where that's your overworld, that's where you see all your levels. And the DLC immediately adds a new area to that map, being Robbie and Pura's lab, and they're the Sheikah researchers, right? So you can go to their lab, and when you're in there, it plays out like a skill tree. And so you have simple objectives that you have to meet. You have to say gather a report and you generate reports by meeting certain objectives in battle so you have to beat 100 enemies to unlock this status boost you have to defeat five vicious monsters to unlock the guardian flail that kind of stuff so it, it's not automatically all given to you instead you have to meet those certain objectives on a one-by-one -one basis to slowly unlock everything that there is gotcha so uh i guess I mean, I guess the, the main question is, what do you think of the new stuff? Do you, do you enjoy the Guardian Flail? Do you like running around as a Guardian and doing your thing? Like, what's, what's, it, all, what's it all about? Oh, man, it's just fantastic. Because here's what I love about Warriors games. It's all about the power fantasy. It's all about giving you more new and ridiculous ways to mow down thousands upon thousands upon thousands of opponents at once. And these new weapons... While it's only a few additions when you just list them out, they make a big difference in how you play the game. The Guardian Flail is probably the first big new thing that you'll unlock in the DLC. And what I like about this is the way it works is it's like this flail, so you can whip it around. It has a nice mix of both close range and long range uh, uh, action. 
but the, its main gimmick is that it can copy any enemy's weapon and then use it against it. So you can grab a Lionel's sword and then use that against it. You can grab Lizolfo's spear and then use that to just take down many enemies at once. So there's a lot of crowd control possibilities like that. And because you can copy any weapon at all, it has infinite strategy and different ways to use this weapon because you have a few ways that you can... You can typically use the flail, but it's obviously a little different depending on which weapon you're cloning. So it offers a lot of replayability in that sense. And I had a lot of fun both just finding out how that weapon works and then growing and expanding and boosting it throughout uh, more of the levels. But then the next big thing you unlock would be the master cycle, and I love that as well. So, so the master, yeah. that, that's the yes. thing that was from, from the original Breath of the Wild DLC, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's what you got at the end of the second DLC when you finished the dungeon. You got the master cycle. But awesome. what's funny about this is that in Breath of the Wild, only Link could use a master cycle. It was the hero steed. But this time around, only Zelda can use the Master Cycle. Oh, that's interesting. And the only reason they give for that is that Robbie and Pura, you have this little dialogue whenever you unlock something. They just say, well, the, the princess is really intellectually curious about this certain Sheikah ancient artifact that we're trying to uncover. And then, man, a certain somebody really wants this. And then, like, in parentheses, like, it's Zelda. So she just really wants a cool motorcycle, essentially. That's the main reason she's the only one who can yeah, ride it. Out of out of every character in the Nintendo universe, Zelda is the one who deserves a cool motorcycle. Let's be honest. She really is, and I will say that one of the special moves being where Zelda like backs up, slowly revs up her cycle, and then just mows down everything in front of her is a beautiful sight to behold. Um, the absolute again, it's just so ridiculous to be going through these stages, zipping around on the master cycle, flying through the air, zipping around these enemies, tossing them up into the air. It is a very versatile, fast, and almost, it feels unwieldy a little bit at first, but then you get the hang of it because it's so different than all the other characters who are just on the ground, you know? But now when you're actually riding a motorcycle, it adds a new element of speed to the gameplay, and it adds a lot. It's really enjoyable to mess around with. So those are the, the two main things you get in the DLC before The Guardian. So it's really, even without the Guardian, those are solid additions in their own right. But the addition of the Guardian is what pushes it over the top, is what you're implying. Absolutely. Because <laughs> it's just the most ridiculous thing. And, well, I will say that not just the playable Guardian, but how you get it is, is one of my favorite things about this. I don't want to spoil exactly how you get it because it's a really neat moment. But I will say that this DLC, alongside all the new stuff you gain, has probably the best boss battle in all of Hyrule Warriors, in my oh, view wow. at least. Yeah, it completely just caught me off guard when I was going into it, because I started the battle and I was like, oh, this will be easy, because most Warriors games, it's just a simple formula of wail on the thing until it dies, right? But this one took me off guard with how... Just it, I don't want to call it Souls-like, because that's cliche, but the level of the moves it used, the ways that you had to read its moves and re react accordingly, it was so difficult and so satisfying to finally pull off when I determined the perfect strategy to use to take it down. So there's a lot of that just kind of visceral satisfaction that you get just by going through the different objectives and unlocking what the DLC has to offer. And the Guardian is like the last thing that you'll get, the last big new thing. And it's just such a wonderful payoff because like like I said at the start of this segment, 
The Guardian is stupidly overpowered. It has its limitations because of how huge it is. It's a giant walking target. But the ways that it even captures the the ways that a Guardian works in Breath of the Wild, the ways that you can target enemies, log on to them, and just blast them all down with your laser, it feels really like you're playing the reverse Breath of the Wild, where you're the Guardian this time around. You're the one who's taking down all the Hylian heroes. It, it's so satisfying. That's Awesome. It's funny. I, I just recently, I was telling you guys off mic, I, I did actually finally beat Breath of the Wild recently. And to me, the Guardians are still... Congratulations. Even, thank you. Thank you. That's, that, <laughs> only, that's what I was looking for. Only a few years late. <laughs> well, I figured, you know, with the announcement of Breath Better of the than Wild 2, yeah. you know, it was, it was time mm-hmm. to, to finish that up. But even <laughs> even in the late game, Guardians can still give you a lot of trouble um, unless you have Master, Char- Master Sword fully charged up. So I think it's great, Campbell, that playing as a Guardian in Age of Calamity, like you still feel incredibly powerful. I, I think that's I think that's cool. I think it does justice to to that to that. Uh, to those enemies it certainly does and it does add new moves to the guardian as well that you would probably never imagine a guardian doing in breath of the wild itself one of the special moves is essentially where the guardian just takes a step back and hurls itself into a crowd of enemies which just that kind of guardian body slam put yourself in link's shoes that's a horrifying idea and it's so fun to be able to pull that off it really captures both the feeling of power and the feeling of just making your enemy dread you the way that you would dread a guardian if you were playing Breath of the Wild. It's a lovely companion in that sense. Right. Well, there you go. Um, is there anything else that... like I, We've talked a little bit about the new weapons. We've talked a little bit about the, the Master Cycle. We've talked, obviously, about the Guardian. And, of course, the fantastic new boss fights. I don't know. Is there anything else you you are hoping to see in the in the later DLC that eventually comes? I will say the main thing that I find this DLC is lacking in is purely new stuff. A lot of it feels like mm. just expansions on what was in the base game, which is fine because at its core, that's what DLC is all about, right? But it has the opportunity to expand the game to new horizons, to something that wasn't there initially. A lot did of the you things just you just say have... you want to cross over with Animal Crossing New Horizons? Yes, I did. Yes, I want. Wow. I mean, Animal Crossing Warriors would be absolutely incredible imagine tom nook just i don't of course, know just, throwing money bags exactly drowning everybody yeah. in money um or just bringing everybody into crippling debt and they die immediately like that would be a yeah. special move i guess yeah that would be a special move yeah yeah uh, sorry i didn't mean to derail the conversation no, that's, that's beautiful that's my fault for saying new horizons animal crossing has, ta- <laughs> has taken that term now that's um, right it takes it to undiscovered places for for the or new territory for for the genre right so a lot of the missions you have are that same deal of take you know fight 500 enemies fight these 500 special enemies that kind of stuff and the new vicious monsters that they add are fun and challenging at first because they have new moves and they they subvert your expectations of how you would fight these enemies so one of the vicious monsters is like a moblin but it has literally a box of bombs behind it and it's throwing these giant bomb barrels at you this whole time and it's really tough to take it down the first time around but because of the nature of warrior's gameplay where you have to just grind all the time you'll end up taking down those enemies dozens of times to the point where they don't become that special by the end of it so what i would hope for the new dlc the second 
part of this DLC to do is to add something different. They say that they're adding new character scenarios, they're adding new playable characters to it. I would love to see them try something a little bit more different because Age of Calamity in itself represented the Warriors formula going in new directions. So if they could continue that with the next part of this, that would be exactly what I hope to see to really end this game on a high note. Awesome. Yeah, I do we have any, uh, I forget, do we have a timeline for when the remaining stuff comes out? I want to say it's November, but I yeah. could Yeah, it's sometime during the holiday it's supposed to I, come I out. I know, that I, I'm pretty sure I had heard they had said this year, but I couldn't remember if they had a specific time frame. Yeah, I mean, it's this year at the very least. Yeah, yeah. No idea about the date yet. Well, there we go. Hopefully, hopefully we get some news about that sooner rather than later, and hopefully they take some of Campbell's fantastic ideas and implement them. Uh, of course, as we all know, and as we've discussed previously on the show, Campbell is living at Nintendo of America right now. We, we put him in a box a few months back, and we sent him up there. So he's actually in direct contact with the developers. They're, you know, they're working it out together. Don't blow um, my cover. Oh, sorry. I, I mean, that's definitely not what's happening. I take no, it back. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm telling so, yeah, Doug to get out of here right now. Yeah. <laughs> Doug? Uh, Bowser? Um, uh-huh. uh, that being said, uh, any anything else about this about this DLC. It sounds great. Uh, again, as somebody who has not had a chance to to dive into this game just yet, I'm I get, at this point I'm just kind of waiting for the definitive edition, um, mm-hmm. which will probably be like next year. Yep. Always so, happens I don't know. with these games. Yeah, yeah, it's always what happens because um, there there will 100% be a a Hyrule Warriors complete edition, you know, package at some point. So it's like, well, at this point, I'll just wait for that. But uh, anything else? Campbell that you, you want to shout out before we before we wrap up this discussion about this DLC one thing I'll say to anybody who was like me and initially played this game back when it came out last Campbell, November I gotta, I gotta interrupt you Campbell I gotta interrupt you there's nobody like you oh I don't know if that's <laughs> flattery or an insult it could go either way um <laughs> I ain't saying nothing oh wow wonderful <laughs> So if anybody is unfortunate enough to have been in a similar situation such as I, um, well, if you did play the game back in November, you enjoyed it, and then you set it down for a few months, get ready for a culture shock going into this now, because the DLC, I don't want to say it expects you to have played a lot of the post-game and to level up a lot of your characters, but these challenges are pretty brutal at first. So get ready to grind a little bit. I know I've said that like like 15 times in the course of this segment, but that's warriors for you. You gotta grind constantly. So be prepared for some really challenging stuff, and don't be surprised if you have to grind a little bit in order to actually take down some of the first few vicious monsters. But once you do get over that initial learning curve, it is relatively smooth sailing from there, and the payoff is absolutely worth it. Well, there you go. It's great to hear that, like, I don't know, like, it sounds cliche. I love when the payoff is is worth it. Like, it feels like that's... Not always the case, but I'm, I'm glad to hear that, that you feel like that works out here. It absolutely does. I will say that some of these challenges are classic warriors, just jank and stupidly arbitrary, that kind of stuff. Like, there's some that are really frustrating to go through, and I was like, ah, I can't believe they're making me do this. This is so dumb. But then when you do get to try out the Guardian Flail for the first time, you do the Master Cycle, you play as a Guardian, it's just so dumb and fun. It's absolutely worth it all. I love it. All right, well... I love it. So that's uh, that's a little a little bit about the Age of Calamity DLC, at least the first part of it. So I guess stay tuned for part two in a few months, hopefully. Uh, we're going to take one more quick break. We're going to come back with a little indie spotlight for you all. So stay tuned. Mm-hmm. 
about indie, indie Spotlight this week, I've been playing a fantastic little game called Boomerang X. Have you guys seen any trailers for this game? Do you know anything about this game? I've no. seen the trailers, and it <laughs> looks fantastic, but that's all I know about it. Sure, sure. Devolver so, Digital, uh, so that's uh, that's already a thumbs up. It, it is mm-hmm. a Devolver Digital game. Devolver, I, I think I mentioned this in my in my review. Uh, by the time you listen to this recording, I will have a review up on the website. I think I mentioned this in my review. Is that D- Devolver just constantly publishing, I don't know, I, in my opinion, hit after hit. Like I, Devolver is has become... To me, one of my favorite publishers, like the the way they pick and choose their games, like I don't know, I don't know how they source their stuff, but they're always publishing great stuff. So it's it's, it's another another hit from from Devolver. This game is wild. Uh, it's a it, it's not quite a first person shooter. It's not quite a first person platformer. It's like a first person action game. Uh, if you've if you've seen the trailer. You've seen a little. You've seen a first-person perspective of uh, basically two hands, and one of them is holding like a spiky boomerang, like a shuriken, like a big, like a like a Yuffie-style shuriken, you know. And it's just pitching it at enemy after enemy, and and throwing it and catching it, and and letting this boomerang just destroy hordes of enemies. Honestly, that's the entire game. Uh, when I first booted this game up, I was like, okay, it's like. So you're you're defeating enemies with this boomerang. I wonder if there will be anything else to to do. And it's like, nope, that's it. Literally every every chapter of the game, I, I air quotes around that. Every chapter of the game is just you going into a room, defeating, you know, five to seven waves of enemies, and then moving on to the next room. Like that. That's the entire game. So in some ways, it feels kind of limited. But to me, the thing that's great about it is that it feels just absolutely focused. It felt like the, the people who made this game, a studio called Dang, which I've never heard of, like Dang with an exclamation point. Uh, it feels like Dang was like, we want to make a game where you're throwing a boomerang at enemies. And that's it. And, and, and that's it. It's truly, it is truly all there is to this game. There's no platforming other than you know, strategically placing yourself on platforms to throw your boomerang at enemies. There's no, like, oh, if I make it to this part of the room, I can find the secret collectible. It's like, nope, there's no collectibles, nothing like that. It's truly waves of enemies, and you defeat them or you die and you have to restart the section. Like, that's the entire game. Uh, all that all that to say, you unlock abilities as you're going through to, to better serve you in your your quest to defeat waves of enemies, and the abilities are very good. So as you're going through, you find the ability to throw the boomerang further. You find the ability to slow down time as you're holding the boomerang, readying it for your next throw. You eventually find the ability to to do, you know, like AoE attacks that defeat multiple enemies at the same time. Uh, the enemies get more and more complex as the game goes on. So most of the time, or actually, no, I think, yeah, yeah, the entire game, all the enemies are pretty much one-hit kills. Like, you just gotta, sometimes you have to hit them in a weak point a weak point or whatever, but it's pretty much just, like, target a specific spot on the enemy, throw your boomerang at it, they're dead. But as the game goes on, you start to find, like, more and more complicated enemies. It's like, okay, you have to stun this guy before we can hit him with hit him with a weak point. Or oh, you have to hit this enemy from the back, so you have to find a way to like maneuver your way around him. It's like, or, you know, them, I should say. As the game goes on, it does get more and more complicated, and you have to find different strategies for dealing with different enemies. 
I, I'd say the the bulk of the game is glancing at whatever enemy wave you're looking at, quickly assessing, okay, how, what's the most efficient way to, to, to weave through these enemies and take out the, the most dangerous ones, and then doing that over and over and over again. It's pretty fun. I really have enjoyed the time with it. It's, uh, it's very much designed to be the kind of game where you speed run it or or blast the new game plus without getting hit like there's definitely challenges like that built into it you know it's it's good for for what it is it's really really good i very much enjoyed my time with it if you've seen the trailer and it intrigues you then i would say absolutely check out this game absolutely check out boomerang x if you saw the trailer and you're like ah doesn't really do it for me it's like yeah i'd say it's safe to skip it there's truly nothing like does anybody ever recommend a game to you, but it's like, oh, no, no, you got to stick with it for a little bit before it gets really good. It's like this one, it's like if you if you, you can truly and very clearly see what it is based on the trailer and based on the marketing. So, I don't know, it's one of the few times where you, can, you really can <laughs> judge a game by its cover. So, I don't know. Boomerang X, it's a game where you're throwing a boomerang at enemies and catching it and learning, you know, cool attacks as you, as you, as you progress. But that's that's the the end all be all of this particular game. I think the thing that surprised me about it is uh, there's some some kind of fun story based stuff. Again, it's it's pretty linear. It's not like there's cutscenes or anything like that to deal with. But there's some fun kind of environmental storytelling as you as you go on, much in the style of you know your. I'm I'm gonna I'm <laughs> I'm gonna drop a reference to Hollow Knight. But I would not necessarily say this game is exactly like Hollow Knight. <laughs> but there's some fun environmental storytelling kind of in the vein of that kind of game. Where if you go out of your way to to look around environments, it's like, okay, you can kind of piece together some more story stuff. There's like one NPC that you can actually talk to in the game. So if you talk to them, you, you can glean a little more information about what's, about what's happening. So that's Boomerang X. I don't know. It's uh, It's good. If you like developer games, if you like indie games that are very focused on doing one thing extraordinarily well, this game does that. Um, so I don't know. And it, it, it plays great on Switch, I would say. I played almost the entire game in handheld mode, and uh, it was great. There, there was a couple of, like, you know, frame rate stutters at, at, like, later chapters of the game where there's tons of enemies flying around on screen and trying to, trying to attack you. But for the most part, it, it plays very well and i didn't encounter any you know any crashes or glitches or anything like that it felt pretty polished you know so yeah that's my thoughts on, on boomerang x i don't know you guys have any any questions about this about this game one question that i think is especially pertinent for a game that focuses so much on a single mechanic like this how long is it oh short short and sweet okay short and sweet i i got this game for review a week ago and i had beaten it two days later and uh, and not even oh. like I'm gonna play this game. <laughs> that was yeah, quick. like yeah, yeah. Honestly, it was like not even like I'm gonna play this game for eight hours a day. It's like no, like I you know, a couple chapters at a time. Uh, you know, put it in handheld mode, watch some TV, play a couple chapters, put it on the dock. You know, play another chapter, and it's like oh okay. I would say there's maybe twelve to fifteen chapters, and each chapter is like a wave of five to ten enemies. So it's kind of like, how skillful are you? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not to say that you have to have a high skill level to beat this game. It's like there's a ton of accessibility options. Um, your character has eventually unlocks a slow motion, uh, kind of like a bullet time ability to aim the boomerang. 
and you can you can flip uh, like an unlimited version of that on and just like cruise through this game if you if you want to try to beat it quickly but I, I I didn't do any of that. I just played it on like the normal difficulty and just and just kind of cruised through it. And I was able to beat it with just a just a, a couple of playthroughs. And and I had a great time. It wasn't like oh it's too easy. It's like to me it felt exactly right. There's like a, there's like one or two boss fight type of situations that are really well done and very interesting. So I, I had to practice a lot of, against those specific instances. But overall, this game didn't give me too much trouble. It was just an enjoyable, pretty pretty brief experience i would say i spent maybe less than 10 hours with this game to to, to roll credits and i played a lot of the new game plus as well so to, to answer, yeah yeah to, to answer your question campbell not too long i would say it sounds like a mix between ghost runner and super hot except with Boomerangs. yeah that honestly that's a, that's a great comparison um I, I never played ghost runner but you reviewed that for the website right mark yeah i did that was a good game the yeah, Switch yeah, port wasn't that great, but yeah, I remember you. Unfortunately, terrible. Yeah. No, it wasn't I, terrible. It just you know, it, in comparison, I reviewed yeah, it for another site whose name shall not be mentioned. But uh, <laughs> back in my pre Goomba days, I played that on Switch, and it, it, it sure. was fun. Yeah, yeah, no, it was a good game. But uh, well, that's always the case with Switch ports. Is if you compare them to like you know the PS4 port, the Xbox port, often they will be found lacking. Yeah. Um. So, I, again, I, I didn't play this game on, on a PC or anything like that. I, I played it on Switch, and to me, it held up pretty well. There was a couple noticeable moments of, like, hitching, or uh, I wouldn't call it lag, but, like, some some screen, you know, some, what do you call it? Well, like, the, when the frame rate drops. It was like, there's a little bit of that, but it did it wasn't game-breaking by any means. It was just, like, you know, a quick moment of, like, uh, 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 and then it, a quick stutter here and there, but it, it quickly caught up. No Nothing game-breaking at all. What would you say, like, estimate the performance to be like do you think it's 30 frames a second 60 frames a second or do you just not notice oh truthfully campbell i am not the guy to ask um i would say i don't know because it's in first person and i was able to look around really quickly and not feel motion sick or anything like that so it it feels like it's designed to move to move you know what i mean it's designed to like Mm -hmm. look as fast as you can move the control stick you know yeah um so in that regard, I would say it moves pretty quick. I, I couldn't tell you a frame rate off the top of my head. I, I don't know. I will say this. The the art style is very... It's like a cel-shaded game. So it, it doesn't require like a ton of uh, of graphical power. And it, at least in, at least from what I could tell. It, it feels pretty simplistic. The, the enemy designs are like black shadows. You know? They're, they're not like crazily detailed very in-depth monsters it's like oh it's like that's like a little black outline of a spider that's like a little black outline of a squid with a red dot on its head like that kind of stuff you know so it, it doesn't feel like i don't know if this answers your question it doesn't feel like it's the kind of game where it's de- demanding a ton of power from the switch you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah no that's really what matters at the end of the day not whether it's 30 frames a second or 60 frames a second just that it's smooth and plays well mm-hmm. so it sounds like it, it meets that metric and that's that's all that really counts at the end of the day. Yeah, no, I, I had a truly, like, a, a really fabulous time with it. It's like, I've played a lot of Devolver games, um, even before writing for the website. I've uh, I've just always enjoyed the stuff put out, and to me this feels like like another another notch in the belt of a great a great game published by a uh, you know a great a great studio a great a great publisher. So I don't know. I really I really have very much enjoyed it. It's it's fun. It's flashy. It's 
it, it, I don't know. It's like it's rare to play a game that feels so focused. Like I, I saw some thread on Twitter today or Reddit or something that was like, why don't more games like m- m- combine genres? Like why aren't there more games like Brutal Legend that that just you know do two or three different things at the same time? And it's like, no, I would rather games limit their scope and try to do one or two things just bang on rather than try to dilute the experience. So to me, this feels like the, 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 the people who made it had a clear idea in mind. We want to make a cool first person boomerang action game. And they just absolutely nailed it. Um, so t- to me, it's like props, props to them. I thought it was really, really cool. Yeah. So, and again, by the time you hear this, I'll have a, a little review up on, up on Goomba stomp. So I make sure you make sure you check that out. Uh, I don't know. I, I think that's that's about all I have to say about this particular game. Unless you guys have any more any more questions, like it's it's truly the, the, a complete package. The music's good. The graphics are good. The gameplay is tight. I don't know. I enjoyed it. No. Nope. Oh, <laughs> I guess that's it. I love it. Great. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Got to got to make sure we edit that dead air. I guess. Um. So uh, that sounds like a podcast to me. Anything else you guys want to want to call out? I'm, I'm going to turn it over to you, to Mark, in a second to to do your plugs because I know you have a long list of plugs. But anything else you want to talk about? Switch OLED model. Age of Calamity, anything like that we got to say before we wrap it up here? Nope. I guess not. I love it. Great. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we've been at Express Nintendo Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Daxon. You can, of course, find my writing over at Goomba Stomp. I have a little piece on Boomerang X, which I just talked about. So, make sure you read that. And, of course, you can find me over on Twitter at Action Daxon. That's Daxon with an X. And, Mark, why don't you take it away with some plugs? Yes. So uh, before those plugs, uh, if you want to follow me on social media, it's at the Mark Helm. That's Mark with a C, Cal with a K. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to check out some of my writing at Goomba Stomp, you can find currently I have an interview with um, the director of Lego Builder's Journey, the creative director. And he's also one of the head managing directors of Lightbrick Studios. So I got that up. I also have a review for Loki episode five that came out today. And then if you want to apply to be a Nintendo writer at Goomba Stomp, you can currently send over your resume and any articles you've written to at video games editor at GoombaStomp.com or editor at GoombaStomp.com. Perfect. I love it. And uh, Campbell, what about you? Where can people find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at CampbellSkill, uppercase CSG, and you can find all my games writing over at GoombaStomp.com. I've got a written review of Age of Calamity that'll hopefully be up, and not just Age of Calamity, I do have a review of that, but I also have a review of the DLC that should be hopefully up by the time this podcast is live, or shortly thereafter, so go check that out. And yeah, that's all I've got for now. I'll second Mark's call out. Please apply at the addresses he mentioned. We love to get more writers on board here. It's true, and... uh... You know, if you're if you're a fantastic writer, if you enjoy writing about Nintendo games, talking about Nintendo games, you just might be able to be featured on this very podcast. Uh, we always love having guests on. It, it spices things up. Sometimes it leads to fights. Sometimes people yell at Mark. It's great. So, <laughs> if you're listening, if you're listening, if you're listening to the podcast and you have a passion for video games and writing and and thinking critically about things that maybe we shouldn't spend so much time thinking about. Please do send a send a message out because you know we'd be happy to have you. Uh, so yeah, so N Express we're on Twitter as well at Express Nintendo, and of course we are on YouTube N Express Nintendo Podcast. And uh, just to, to shout out that email one last time, editor at oh boy, what is it, Mark? Please <laughs> editor me. at goombastomp.com or video games editor at goombastomp.com. 
excellent. Or Thank you could you just so visit much. the uh, the about page on the uh, about us page on the website. Yes, yes. Or there might be a is... join the team section. I think it's called join the team. It should be at the top of the site though. Perfect. So make sure you join the team if that's something you're interested in. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next time.